Hello and welcome to episode six of the Loss to Step podcast. It is Monday, April 11th. I'm Mike Marcone and with me always is Tom Pinto, Max Kahn, along with our producer Mark Stefano. We have a really exciting show this week. Uh, we'll be doing a recap of the first weekend of the MLB, uh, our stories you might have missed, and the Loss to Step segment. Uh, we're actually going to start with the NBA and we're really excited to welcome our first ever guest to the show. We have Emmy-nominated executive producer at News 12 Bronx in Brooklyn. You can hear him doing pre and post game for the Knicks and Rangers on 98.7 ESPN New York. Pat O'Keefe joins the Lost of Step podcast today. He's on Twitter at Pat O'Keefe 12. Pat, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Mike and Tom and Max and Mark, thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be on your show and it's great to uh, speak with a few fellow alumni of SUNY Brockport. That's right. Yep. That's what we were just about to hop into right here, Pat. Right before we start talking basketball, we were going to tell the listeners that uh, what we have in common is that we're SUNY alumni, and Mark and I were four-year alumni at the radio station. Max had a cup of coffee at the point. He didn't He didn't last as long as the rest of us. There's a quick, quick stand. What we don't have in common, Pat, is that none of, else, none of us are Brockport Hall of Fame inductees. You are a recent Hall of Fame inductee, uh, which was awesome. Uh, Mark and I obviously saw the pictures and everything that was posted. Uh, can you just speak to that and to what it means to go in with the Hall of Fame 89.1, the point uh, in Brockport uh, class of this year? Uh, absolutely. It was just last weekend, and uh, it was great to go back up to Brockport. The, you know, I took the whole family up on the five-and-a-half-hour drive from just outside New York City. Look, I was at Brockport for two years, my final two years of college. I always knew that I wanted to go into sports broadcasting or sports media, but I, I would not have if it wasn't for WBSU uh, 89.1 The Point. And, and Warren Kozareski, who's the uh, general manager then and now, uh, was as instrumental in getting my career started as anyone. And, you know, I had so many special memories from Brockport. It was awesome to just be back there for a couple of days. I mean, just the, the memories kind of come flooding back when you're walking around that campus. Uh, three of my really close friends, Chuck Wade, Alana Katz, and Luke Mayo, uh, were there for the ceremony on Saturday night, which meant a lot to me. Uh, we both kind of came up through the point together. So, look, I mean, anytime, I don't, you know, <laughs> anytime somebody thinks that you're worthy of any sort of a Hall of Fame, it's humbling. Uh, it's a tremendous honor. And for me, it meant a lot coming from a place that meant so much to me. Would you say that Kaz is still busting chops more or less than when you were there? He, uh, <laughs> yes, he, he, he's, st he's still busting chops at least as much, if not more. Uh, I feel a little more comfortable giving it back to him now. Although I got to be honest, I felt pretty comfortable giving it to him then. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah, but before we get started, I just, I want to say from myself, obviously I'm meeting you for the first time, but congratulations. That's an amazing honor. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, Absolutely. we've, uh, Mark and I have some work to do. We got some work. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk some hoops now, Pat. Now the NBA season ended yesterday, the regular season. And with the end of the regular season is the end of the New York Knicks season this year. After, of course, a tremendous success story last year, uh, this season, despite a nice 12 and seven finish, a 35 and 47 record, uh, not making the playoffs. Now, depending on where you read your Knicks news, if you would, 
some of the blame goes to Randall. Some of it goes to Tibbs. Some of it goes to management for not um, putting a better team on the floor. Where do you think the most blame lies for the Knicks taking a step backward this season? Ooh, the most blame. You know, it, it, it's definitely spread out among all the parties that you listed. Tom Thibodeau um, was not as good as last year. Julius Randle was not as good as last year, and the statistics bear that out. And as far as, you know, management, the front office, what have you, look, they made a couple of moves in the offseason that didn't work out as anticipated. They brought in Kemba Walker to be the starting point guard, and he turned out to be a liability defensively. They brought in Evan Fournier to improve the offense, and he did over Reggie Bullock to a certain degree. Unfortunately, what you gave up defensively going from Bullock to Evan Fournier uh, w- w- was not overcome by Fournier's offensive improvement. Um, and then on top of it all, and this is something that I and anybody saw coming, the Eastern Conference got better. Look, I remember doing shows before the season began and looking at the Eastern Conference and saying Charlotte's going to be better, Chicago's going to be better, Boston's going to be better, you still have Brooklyn, um, you know, Miami's going to be better. And all of that came true. And Cleveland Toronto was better. always hanging around. And Toronto was going to be yeah. better. Absolutely. Cleveland, nobody saw Cleveland coming. They mm-hmm. ended up being better. So I said from the beginning, there was a chance that the Knicks could be as good as last year and take a couple steps back in the standings. They weren't as good as last year. So that made it even harder. So even with that 12 and 7 finish that you cited, they still ended up taking too many steps back that they weren't even able to get into the playing tournament. Right. Now, Nick fans, New York basketball fans, for better or worse, we like to think of ourselves and myself included as the smartest basketball fans in the world. But you don't need to be a basketball genius to know that Julius Randle this year was not the same as Julius Randle last year on the court, off the court. And even though if you look at that stat line, 20, 10, and 5, we know it was not the same player that we saw last year. Do you think, Pat, that Randall will get moved in the summer? And if so, what do you think, what targets do you think the Knicks should be going after if this is, the, if this is now the direction that they're going to move to? Well, I don't know if he's going to get moved in the offseason, but I, I wouldn't rule it out. But if you do move your best player, and let's be honest, he took a step back this year. He had some issues with the fans. He had some issues with referees. He didn't seem the same guy on the court. I think we can all agree on that. That being said, he was still the best player on the Knicks this season. He was their leading scorer. He was their leading rebounder, and he led the team in assists. I think two other guys in the NBA did that. Um, Mm -hmm. If you do move on from Julius Randle, you have to get a point guard. The Knicks played this entire season without a point guard uh, right around the trade deadline. You heard rumblings of a Julius Randall for De'Aaron Fox from Sacramento. I, I don't think De'Aaron Fox is the answer at point guard. He's definitely better than what the Knicks had because ever since Derek Rose went down in December, the Knicks did not have a point guard. Alec Burks was miscast in that role. He did the best he could. Um, He can hit some shots. He's a veteran presence. He's a good rebounding guard. He's not a playmaker. He's not a traditional point guard. So whether they move on from Randall or or whether they don't, they have to get themselves a point guard. Absolutely. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like a team, Pat, that needs to be talked about, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, if you don't mind. Um, so, uh, despite being in the, in the play in tomorrow, I think it's super interesting. Uh, they have the third shortest odds to win the NBA championship, right? Which obviously being in the play in anything can happen. You can lose that game. It, It is what it is, but I'm just really interested in your take on this team. Uh, do you think they have what it takes to make a run to win the championship? Um, and what needs to happen for them to even just get to the finals, not even win it? They got to guard somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's it's as simple as that. I'm not surprised at the odds. I don't think they're going to make a run, but I'm not surprised at the odds. I was, I was hosting a show yesterday where somebody called me and asked me about that exact same point. And, I, and you're mm-hmm. right. And, and the... The shortest odds are Phoenix, obviously, deservedly so. And, and who's number two? Milwaukee, I think, right? Yeah, Milwaukee's number two. I believe two. it's so. Yep. And Brooklyn's number three. I, and I'm not surprised because they, they, they still have that big P word, which is potential. And on any mm-hmm. given night, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can give you 75 to 80 points. And I don't think there's yeah. another duo in the NBA that can do that. But here's the thing. A week ago Saturday night, Durant scored 55. Irving scored 31, I think. They gave you 86 points in Atlanta, and they lost by seven. They gave up 122 points. They can't stop anybody. Yesterday, in a game that they absolutely needed to host the play-in tournament tomorrow night against Cleveland, as you said, they needed to win yesterday against a Pacers team that has been tanking since the middle of March, and they gave up 120 points to Indiana. Now, they won the game because they're a prolific team. But yeah. what are they going to do against Milwaukee? What are they going to do against Boston, uh, the best defensive team in the NBA? So I, yeah. I don't think they have what, what, what it takes to make a relief. The news yesterday that Adrian Wojnarowski first reported that Ben Simmons could be available beyond the playing tournament, I think that helps. But like at this point, what's Ben Simmons going to give you? If Ben Simmons was ramping up since early March and became <clears> – <throat> the Ben Simmons that we know, that would be a different story. And Ben Simmons at his peak is kind of exactly what this team needs, but I just don't see a scenario in which he's at his peak this year. Yeah, that was actually going to be, that was going to be my follow-up question. So obviously he's been a crazy storyline the last, the last couple of years. And um, like you said, I heard that they're optimistic that they can get him back if, if, you know, they advance to the first round. Um, If, if so, let's say he does come back. Uh, You said, you know, he kind of brings what they need. What exactly does he bring to the team? Um, and in terms of managing his minutes, obviously he's not going to play 30, 35 minutes a game that, you know, what do you foresee managing his minutes and what do you see out of his performance level? If he is able to come back, I don't think you could expect more than 15 minutes a game out of him now, because he's got such a unique skill set that nobody else on that team or pretty much nobody else on that league has, you'll take what you can get from him. 15 minutes. It's not ideal. You'd rather 30 minutes, but you'll take 15. It's better than zero, which is what he's giving you now. But right. the reason why I think he's like the perfect fit with Durant and Irving, he's the rare star level player in the NBA who doesn't need the ball in his hands. Durant has the ball in his hands all the time. Irving has the ball in his hands all the time. Uh, ben Simmons can be their top wing defender. At, this is at his peak, by the way. So I don't know if we're going to see that. I don't think we're going to see this guy at all this year. But if he's at his peak, he could be a top wing defender, guard the other opponent's best wing player, like a Jason Tatum or a Chris Middleton or a, even a Giannis. Well, not necessarily Giannis, but, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, a Tatum or a Jalen Brown or a Chris Middleton, who the Nets are mm-hmm. likely to face in the playoffs, James Harden. 
Uh, he can run the fast break. He can distribute and he can really shine in the game without handling the ball. He's actually, that's the ironic thing. He's the perfect complement to, to fit in between these other two stars that the Nets have. I just don't think that there's enough time for him to ramp up to be that guy. Yeah, I think I agree with that. That's, that's a pretty good point. I, if, if he does make an appearance, like you said, I mean, 15 minutes, it is what it is, but how, how much of a difference is that really going to make? You take what you can get at this point, but you know, yeah. it's um, they traded for him on February 10th. Um, I thought that he'd be playing by now and it, he's obviously not. Yeah. That back injury, that back injury, <laughs> yeah. it's a long back injury. Yeah. I guess you never know, but <laughs> it's crazy to think that he's still not playing basketball. It's interesting. Yep. So out of the matchups that are already set, uh, the three, six and the four five in both conferences, um, the guys and I have talked about this, you know, when the matchups were set golden state warriors, the three, the Denver nuggets, the six in the West, um, we found this to be the most intriguing, um, especially with Steph Curry, kind of a question mark. It seems like he'll definitely play game one, but not a hundred percent. And maybe he won't be a hundred percent. Um, do you agree with that? Is there another matchup that you might, you know, be more interested in watching between those, you know, four five, three, six games? I think it's the most intriguing series of the ones that are set. I, I think that assume if Brooklyn wins tomorrow uh, and plays Boston in the first round, I think that becomes the most intriguing first round series because Boston has been the best team in the NBA since January. But yes, for now, Denver golden state to me is the most interesting. I think Milwaukee Chicago is going to be, one-sided, possibly even a sweep. And that's a big reason why Milwaukee sat all their guys yesterday because they wanted to set up that 3-6 matchup. Philadelphia-Toronto is going to be interesting. Toronto's the team nobody wants to play. Uh, Philadelphia, when they weren't playing a depleted Knicks team, didn't look as good as they did against the depleted Knicks team. But yeah, Denver-Golden State, the, the series you asked me about, you know, if, if Curry's not close to 100%, um, I, I like Denver in this series. Uh, Den because Denver has learned how to play without their guys. They've learned how to play without Jamal Murray. They've learned how to play without Michael Porter Jr. This is the reason why I think Nikola Jokic is going to be the MVP for the second straight season. Golden State hasn't had a whole season to figure out how to play without their guys, and, and now they're trying to figure it out without their main guy, and uh, that's very, very tough to do. And I, I know we talked about the Nets a little bit, um, so I won't ask you about them, but as far as the, the play-in tournament games – is there another team, you know, obviously a lot of people think the Nets are going to beat the Cavs and, you know, go on to play the Celtics, but is there another team that you could see giving a, a one or a two seed a tough time in the first round of the playoffs? No, no. I think um, out West, no, because I don't even know who's going to win the 7-8 Minnesota Clippers. I, I think the Clippers are, are feisty, but I don't see them giving, uh, giving Memphis a you know, a series unless Kawhi Leonard mysteriously comes back healthy. That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, the only, the, the one, the one caveat I would throw out there is I think Atlanta gets in. I think, I, I think Brooklyn gets the seven and then Cleveland has to play Atlanta. And I think Atlanta wins that game as well. Cause just cause Cleveland's too, too injured. So then you got Atlanta, which went to the conference finals last year and you got Trey young. All right, so Trey Young gets hot for a few games against Miami. Yeah, that could be interesting. So that's the closest thing I would say. But uh, outside of Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn will probably be favored against Boston, which is crazy. I mean, you know, seven favored against two, but that's just what this Brooklyn team is right now. Outside of that, I don't see any of the other playing teams being serious threats to make a run. 
So uh, last one here for you, Pat, uh, right before we let you go. Uh, last week, you got to do a Knicks and Nets game on the radio. Listen for you. Uh, listened to the game a little bit when I was driving. And there is a great picture uh, that was taken with you, with uh, a whole bunch of broadcasters who were doing that game. Mike Breen, Clyde, Mark Jackson, Van Gundy, among others. In terms of your career, where does that rank in the coolest collection of broad people that I'm sure you've looked up to um, as a as a young broadcaster? I'm sure Mike Breen was was right at there at the top of guys that inspired you to do what you do. So how cool was that to just be in in that whole picture together? Well, I'll tell you, I've been a play by play announcer for more than ten years, but my NBA play by play experience is still pretty limited. Uh, you know, I'm a pregame, halftime, postgame show host. And I fill in when our play-by-play announcer, Ed Cohen, works on our MSG television broadcast, which is not that often during the course of the season. Um, it was it – I, I was laughing because it was fate that – I've only done a handful of games this season. And it was fate that I was working that night because the NBA, in celebration of its 75th anniversary, they were already broadcasting the game on ESPN – And then they decided to add a second broadcast, kind of a retro broadcast. Right. With the old scoreboards. Exactly. In the old school uh, worldwide of sports, wide world of sports uh, blazers that Breen and and Van Gundy, a Brockport guy, and Mark Jackson were wearing. And Mm -hmm. so so they had those two ESPN broadcasts. Because it wasn't an ESPN exclusive game, of course, MSG Television was broadcasting it. And the Yes Network was broadcasting it because it was a Nets game. So that was four television broadcasts. And then on the radio, you had us, ESPN New York, the Knicks broadcast on 98.7 FM. You had the Nets broadcast on WFAN, and it was also an ESPN national radio broadcast. So you had seven broadcasts of the same Biggest game. broadcast of all time. How'd you just remember all that? <laughs> this, it was a very, very special thing to be a part of. I was extremely excited to be doing the game anyway. And I'm sitting at my desk at about four o'clock in the afternoon and my producer, Ray Santiago, texts me and my partner, Brendan Brown, and says, you guys are asked to be on the court for a picture at 645 of all the broadcasters because this is an historic night. And instantly I went from actually being more excited to call the game to uh, to be I was more excited to be in that picture with all of those other guys. So I was doing a little bit of. Um, you know, bio work on all the announcers. There were seven broadcasts. So that's seven play by play. announcers. you guys will love this because you guys went to school in upstate New York. Uh, three of the play by play announcers went to Fordham, Mike Breen on ESPN, obviously Ryan Rucco on the other ESPN and Chris Carino, who's the Nets radio broadcaster on yep. WFAN. Two of the broadcasters went to that other broadcasting school in upstate that's New right. York that you guys are familiar with. I think they call it Syracuse. And uh, that was Ian Eagle on the Yes Network. And that was Mark Kestisher on ESPN Radio. One of them went to Ithaca, also a decent, decent broadcasting school in upstate New York. And that was Ed Cohen, who's normally the Knicks radio announcer, but that night was working on MSG television. And then the seventh broadcaster, as I proudly pointed out to anybody who would indulge me, went to Rockport. So it's funny, all seven play-by-play announcers went to college in the state of New York. And four of us went to college in upstate New York, the two Syracuse guys, the Ithaca guy and myself. But it was it was awesome to be in that collection of people because that's just the play by play announcers I'm talking about. I haven't even mentioned Mark Jackson, 
Jeff Van Gundy, Hubie Brown, Hubie Brown, Mike Frazier, with his red with his red suit looking, well, oh, yeah. looking, looking, looking only as Clyde can. Well, we're, we're, we're standing there kind of all talking before the picture was taken at center court. And all of a sudden, a PR person from the NBA walks out with that silver 75th anniversary basketball. And she just kind of says, would somebody, can we find somebody in this picture to hold the basketball? And we all start, you know, kind of looking around. And my first thought, because I'm a broadcaster, I always think of it from the play-by-play perspective. My first thought was that it would make sense for Breen to hold. Right, He's the right. of the NBA Finals. He's, he's Mike Breen. And yeah. then all of a sudden, not at center court, but standing about 15 feet away talking to somebody else comes walking towards us is Walt Clyde Frazier. And that, as soon as I look up and I see Clyde, I'm like, oh, of course, that's who's going to hold the ball. Who else would it be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was pretty funny to realize that in, in real time. Yeah, well, I, I heard you last week pretty much for the whole second quarter, and you sounded great. And then I saw that picture, and I was like, this is, this is even cooler. So, um, and, and a really, really cool thing that uh, you got to do last week. Um, Pat, we thank you so much for coming on. Uh, maybe people will actually listen to us now, now that you came on. So this was, this was absolutely great. You are welcomed on anytime you want. We hope you enjoy the NBA playoffs. It should be really fun. And uh, we hope to do this again soon. This was great. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. This was great conversation. And I, I, I think that it's so cool that you guys are doing this. I'm, you know, I'm jealous because some of my favorite broadcasting memories and moments were doing shows with guys I went to college with. And uh, this kind of brings me back to that. So I, I think it's awesome that you guys are continuing to do this. Next time we have you on, we're going to talk about your uh, rec basketball coaching prowess because I get to see oh. that up close. We had a pretty good team this year, I will say. Our fifth you did. Yeah, absolutely, you did. <laughs> All right, that is Pat O'Keefe, ladies and gentlemen. Again, remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Pat O'Keefe 12. Pat, thanks so much again. Thanks, guys. All right, gentlemen. So moving on from uh, that wonderful conversation we just had with Pat, um, let's move on to the MLB. So obviously opening day was uh, last Thursday. Um, there's been a lot of action, a lot of storylines, a lot of things going on. Um, our resident uh, baseball guy, Pinto, why don't, you, why don't you give us an overview here? Oh, well, uh, watched a lot of baseball over the weekend for sure. Um, I think uh, probably one of the biggest series of the weekend was the uh, – Yankee Red Sox series. And so far for uh, the Yankees is um, we've seen not too many surprises, right? Long ball and strikeouts um, in the first couple of games. Riz, I see as Max is, I can see him shaking his head on zoom. Um, uh, Stanton's got a couple. Rizzo has a couple. So we know that this team is going to hit. We know that this team is going to, to score runs it's just how and again this is this is nothing new here i'm not telling you something that you know we haven't discussed or we haven't discussed in in years past how do the yankees manufacture their offense when the ball is not going out of the ballpark and how much does it limit then as we're recording this on monday night it's three nothing going into the bottom of the eighth they only have two hits yeah so um i didn't watch the game last night you watched the game last night, Max? I did, yeah. Yeah, and um, definitely uh, I think that was their highest strikeout total from, from over the weekend. Um, yeah. what, did you, what did you think, Max, seeing the, the, the at-bats yesterday? I mean, just overall in the series, I, I kept thinking to myself, I miss like the, 
seeing Jeter come up to the plate and just knowing he's going to make contact almost yeah. every time, like just putting yep. the ball in play and singles and just and that whole that and, whole era of teams, the Posadas. Yeah, it was the Bernie it's Williams. such a long time ago. Um, it is. We're old. Now. It's just tough. Again, I don't I don't have like the numbers on me or anything like that, but like the runners in scoring position, like the guys were leaving right. on base. And like you said, when we're not hitting the long ball, and I say we, yes, as a Yankees fan, but um that's fine. It's it's tough to it's tough to watch that. So when you see guys like Judge and Mike and I were texting a little bit, um, I think during Saturday's game or maybe uh Friday's game, but it's just mm-hmm. tough to see when it just seems like they're <laughs> they're just going up there, they're taking a couple hacks, and like they're not even swinging at good pitches. Like I understand yeah. if, if you're striking out, maybe a called strike three, but it seems like they're just swinging and missing all the time, and it's very frustrating to watch. Yeah, so like I pulled up uh, our text max because I, I actually texted you Saturday morning. We were talking about the game Friday night, mm-hmm. and then I texted you back Saturday morning, and. Obviously Donaldson coming through with the clutch hit, um, his first his first real clutch hit as a Yankee. It was nice to see that, and I, I texted you saying, you know, not a bad way for Donaldson to start his pinstripe career. And that was a good as game. like as you just summarized though, like it was great to see that, but then you respond with just wish the team struck out less. It's tough to watch. And I agree with you completely. Like my comment was, I feel like Judge is just swinging at things in a different time zone because he's Aaron Judge and he feels like he just needs to hit bombs. It's like, just put the ball in play and let, let's get through our lineup here and let's, let's see what we can do as an offense. And I don't know what the solution is. I don't know. There's been, I feel like there's been no improvement over the last few years. And it's really, really frustrating because constantly that's what it is. It's leaving guys on base. It's not producing. And the clutch, the clutch moments are what really kill me. They're swinging for the fences when they should just be trying to put the ball in play. You know what? Mike brings up a good point, bringing up Aaron Judge. Big story from over the weekend, Aaron Judge rejecting the Yankees' seven-year, $213.5 million deal. Now, I don't know, guys. I, I really don't know what to make of this. I do believe, and again, we've seen players who, you know, we didn't think Freddie Freeman would leave. Freddie Freeman left. Now, granted, they traded for Matt Olson, but sometimes we think a player is going to stay with the team forever, right? If LeBron could leave Cleveland the first time, really anything's possible. So that being said, I still do believe, and um, you guys can, can say what you think after, uh, I do think that Aaron Judge wants to stay a Yankee. I do believe that. I, I think that... He, I think that he's he's good for New York. I think that he handles the media well. I think he has a great relationship with the fans. I think that's a, a very mutual relationship. But I guess at the same time, and I can't remember, I apologize to I can't give the credit to whoever I was listening to um, on MLB Network the other night talking about, you know, a player once told me, you know, when it's like your one chance to be a free agent, like it's kind of cool. You've got like every team now, again, we know Pittsburgh's not going to sign Aaron judge, but you understand what I'm saying. You've got a lot of teams that are now want your services that want you to come play for your team. And it it, it has to feel good to know that a lot of teams out there want you, that a lot of teams want you to help their team win a championship. So, you know, I think judge wants to be there, but at the same time, he's kind of saying like by rejecting the offer, yeah, I want to be a free agent and see mm-hmm. what else is out there. What do you guys yeah. think? And I think, well, no, I, I agree with that. I'm glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about that the last couple of days, basically since I've heard the news. I think I think even just to be like courted, a lot of 
a lot of guys like that feeling and maybe this is the one time he does that and he's a Yankee for life. You know, he still comes signs with the Yankees and comes back um, and plays for the rest of his career there. But it is nice to have that option. And maybe, maybe a team really blows him away and just really sells the idea of coming to the Chicago Cubs and, and bringing them another world series or going, going to the Mets and sticking it to the Yankees and, and winning the Mets a world series. I mean, I think be, that's got to feel good, especially something. for the ego. Yeah. I mean, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, I do think he's going to stay a Yankee, but but I'm not feeling as good about it now, obviously. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the, the biggest thing for me is, like Max said, I, I think a lot of players in this day and age, like it's not necessarily that they want attention. I think they just like to know their worth. You know what I mean? The Yankees offered him something and okay, like I understand that. I appreciate that. It's a good offer, a, a legitimate offer, you know, as, sure. as baseball contracts go, I think. Um, but I think he's just, he's out there and he just wants to make the best decision for himself at this point. And I think he's deserved that. I think it's not like he really owes the Yankees, you know, if he, if he can become a free agent and make more money in a place that's going to allow him to have more success, I think, I think he has the right to do that. Um, it's interesting Pinto that you brought up, uh, Freddie Freeman. Did you see what Rizzo said in his yes. presser? Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, so Anthony Rizzo was asked about Aaron judge and, and, uh, you know, he said he spoke to Aaron judge and at the end of the day, it's about what's going to make him and his wife uh, happy. You see Freddie Freeman isn't on the Braves anymore. There's no loyalty in this game. And I think that just speaks volumes to the fact that like, I I feel like 20 years ago, you know, guys like really just dug in and they were like, you know, this is my team. We're going to win. We're going to do things at all costs. And now there's such a huge market and the contracts are booming and people, it's not that he's being selfish, but, but there is a market out there for a player of that caliber and he deserves to go get what he wants. So, you know, it's, he, the Yankees offered him seven. It's been reported that he wants nine. Could they meet in the middle with eight? That's just what, you know, the simple formula tells you. But again, like do for, you know, when Aaron Judge is on the field, we all know how great and spectacular he is. But when he's on the field, when he's, do you really want to be able to pay Aaron Judge when he's 36, 37, 38, and probably by that time is just a DH? Do you, do you now if the Yankees don't do it, some team will. For sure, but yeah. I think that, you know, when the Yankees got outbid for Robinson Cano, it wasn't taken well, but like the fans moved on. I think if the Yankees get outbid for Aaron Judge, that's really going to, I don't want to say break the camel's back, but that's going to, that'll sting if they get out. I think now, it's different for sure than the Cano situation, but right now, like yeah. I don't think, level. yeah, now I, I don't think it's a terrible idea for the Yankees to offer more money per year and less years. So he's turning 30. Let me see here. He's turning as we're 30 talking about in, him. He just struck out by the way. <laughs> uh, he is turning 30 in like two weeks. So, I don't know if you're the Yankees, maybe do you give them four years, 160 million, 40 million a year, maybe with an option for the fifth year. I don't but is think he that's just, ter- is he laughing at that when they like, is he very set on the years? I'm well, I'm that I'm not sure, but I'm wondering, would he accept a deal like that more money per year, less years? 
say that he has a an, an, an outstanding four years, then he could even parlay that into another contract. Yeah. After, yeah. You know, after that, kind of like what 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 um what Max Scherzer did this year, getting one more contract, three years at a hundred and. 45 million or 140 million, whatever Steve Cohen gave him. So I think this is going to be a very, very interesting situation. And obviously it's probably not going to happen now throughout the rest of the year. We're probably gonna to have to wait till the off season. But he just said, kind of he this, said he doesn't this, want to this, talk during the season. Right. right. Yeah. He this set the deadline of, as opening. Yeah. This cloud yeah. kind of now hovering over the Bronx over, over what's going to happen with him. Um, and obviously, I will I'm say sure for the Yankees will have something to do with it this year. He he specifically say, said he said at at the end of this year I'll talk to thirty teams. The Yankees will be one of those teams, right? Which that yeah. And I will say quick before we move on, um, I, I heard this mentioned earlier today. I think on ESPN, but it was mentioned that at least they're the Yankees. Maybe maybe this only for this year, but they're getting probably a very motivated judge um, who's who's obviously maybe can't help it with injury sometimes, but is going to do his best to stay on the field and like wants to put up huge numbers and, you know, have a huge season. But then a lot of these guys on the Yankees, um, Rizzo Gallo, like a lot of these guys are very motivated and um, hopefully this year, maybe you get a little more out of them. Um, and, and maybe that means a world series and then judge is gone. I think Yankees fans obviously wouldn't love that, but they'd be obviously very happy with the world series. So, yeah, so we'll see. It'll be interesting um, all year round talking about that. By the way, did you guys happen to see how the baseball schedule is changing starting next year? I did see that. Yeah. If you want to, did you see that Mike? I did not. Well, I didn't so, like I, I saw the headline. I didn't see exactly right. like the details. So um, what's happening for the the last year this year, uh, each team plays every team in their division 19 times. They play the other 10 teams in their division six or seven times. And then one other league, one other division from the opposite league, three or four times. That's all changing starting next year. So what's going to happen starting next year is each team will play their own division 14 times. So it's going down from 19 to 14. So that's 56. They'll play the remaining 10 teams in their own league six times, three home, three away. So that's 60. And then in the interleague games, they'll play. So there's now 15 teams in the opposite league. So they'll play a three-game series against 14 of the 15 interleague teams. Seven at seven at home and seven on the road. Then the four games that are left over is your rival team. So the Mets and Yankees, the Giants and A's, the Cubs and the White Sox play four games each year. So it's kind of like the NFL, like when the AFC plays the NFC and every four years they switch, like with mm-hmm. what city they play in. This right. is going to be the same this year. So I'm just thinking Mets here, being a Mets fan. So now the Mets are at Fenway Park every other year. Boston gotcha. comes you, to New York every other year. And I got to tell you, I kind of like it. I like the way that yeah. they're laying it out now. Yeah, no, I agree. I was I was just going to say when you mentioned that, I, I think you'll finally make a trip to Fenway. I got to think <laughs> soon. I'm surprised. I'm still shocked. You I can't believe it yet, but I want to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> but um yeah no i i do like it as well i i think it's cool when i read that the other day i wasn't sure if it was an actual thing yet um and then i read more and 
um it, it was legit but yeah i think i think that's pretty awesome and i'm i'm happy they decided to do that i think it's, and so is that is that something that really they've good. been is that something that just randomly happened or is that something that people have been talking about and pushing for? Cause honestly, this is I, like the first I've. I, th- I, I think it was something that was being pushed for when they were doing their negotiations and, and all that stuff. I think that they want to, and you know what? I think that indirectly, I think Shohei Otani has a lot to do with this. I think that baseball wants every market to get a chance to, to see him every mm-hmm. year now again rotating every year so if if otani doesn't come to well obviously he's going to come play the yankees so let's just say philadelphia if he's not coming to philly next year he's coming the year after that whereas under the old format he'd be coming once every five six years whatever it was so i think it gives a better chance to see players that you might not normally see i think mike trout's been been at city field once, maybe twice, not, not any more than that. So I, I think that baseball is trying to make it so that other cities, other teams, and then you get to play everyone on your schedule once a year. Um, I think it's cool. I like it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and you still get your rivalry games with, and again, I know that some rivalries like when the Marlins play the Rays, like it doesn't feel like there's much bad blood when those two, when those two teams play, but you still get your rivalry game. So um, I know that we can be uh, we can be critical of some of the things that uh, that baseball uh, decides to do sometimes. But I think that they're getting this one right. I do. I know you maybe have some more things to talk about as far as baseball is concerned. Were guys just kind of tense after the lockout and like just wanted to start fights? Because it seemed like this this weekend there was ton of ton of hit oh. batters and just uh, benches Dem- cleared that I'm not used to seeing on opening opening weekend. Uh, the Mets barely made it out of Washington uh, with a healthy Buck, team. Buck was ready to uh, fight. He certainly was. And you know what? Everything after that game was said correctly. Talking about the Mets Nationals game on Friday when uh, Lindor got hit um, in the helmets. Steve Steve Ciszek said the right things. Who hit him? Both managers said the right things. But like there comes a point where even though it's not intentional, like you have to come yeah. out and you have to defend your players, which was, which yeah. was what the Mets did, which is what uh, Buck Showalter did. Um, I, I think Max, a part of it too is um, without the sticky stuff anymore. I think, you know, cold weather, a lot of these cities, cold weather, hard yep. to get a grip. It wasn't warm in Washington uh, over the weekend. And um, the Mets specifically, they've gotten hit more times than any other team since uh, I believe the, tw- the start of the 18th season, they've gotten plunked more than anyone. So um, hmm. I, I think the crackdown on the sticky stuff, plus the cold temperature is a little, little Brewers, hard to get a grip on the ball. Brewers Cubs uh, was another one that was in Chicago. Yep. So another cold, yep. cold weather uh, Yankee uh, Sox. I mean, that's there's McCutcheon always wasn't, a little bit McCutcheon there. Wasn't so. happy. Yep. McCutcheon wasn't happy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, trying to think of some other things that I saw over the weekend. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, won their first three games. Take it with a grain of salt. It was against the Orioles. They finally lost uh, tonight. They were the last undefeated team. Uh, they got pounded. They lost by the bad, A's. right? Yeah, thirteen yeah. to two to the A's. So uh, there are no more undefeated teams uh, in the league. Uh, did, uh, were you guys keeping an eye on um, the Blue Jays Rangers series? I felt like yeah. I, I, I like I saw the score. 
I went in to like get something to eat. I came back. There were like five more <laughs> runs on the board from the two yeah. teams combined. Man, Toronto can hit. They can, they yeah. can absolutely scary, match. Scary that lineup. lineup is dangerous, and they didn't even uh, need a lot of runs tonight um, against the Yankees. We got three nothing in the top of the ninth. Still yeah. going on, but man, that it's got. Was yesterday's game twelve the, to six? Yeah, and I twelve I think to six. It, it ended. What a weird game. Yeah, they've scored. Let me bring them up right here. Well, the other night they were they were down like six nothing, and then I think that game they won. They blew another right. lead the other night and ended up right. like it was a crazy, pretty crazy series. They've scored 20, yeah. 20 runs in their first three games, so better than mm-hmm. six a game. That team can absolutely match. They don't want it to be bottom five of the league, but fourteenth, fifteenth in the league. They should be okay because that team that team's going to score runs. Uh, Springer's off to a really good start. Had another home run yesterday. Vlad Jr., you see the home run he hit? Looks like it hasn't landed yet. Yeah. It's bottom that ball. for that one. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Go ahead, Max. Another series I figured would be worth mentioning, which, again, three games in, three or four, depending on what team you are. Um, can't look into it too much, but I just thought, you know, Rocky's taking two out of three from the Dodgers, something worth mentioning, you know, getting off Absolutely. against a team that you expect to win a hundred, 110 games or so. Arias they beat yesterday. Yep. I, yeah. you know what? I will always feel decent when the Rockies are at home. Always. Yeah. I'll yeah. always feel the Rockies got a nice shot when they are in the friendly confines of course field. When they, when they go away, not so much. Another when they're story. at home, they'll always have a good shot when they're at home. Always. Yeah. Um, but again, two or three of the Dodgers, Colorado, LA, neutral site, two out of three from the Dodgers opening weekend. That's a nice start for them, for sure. Yeah, you'll yeah. take it for the Rockies. Yeah. I think we uh I think we had mentioned both of these teams. We talked about the White Sox last week, I believe, and then Pinto. I'm pretty sure you said the was it the Tigers that you were saying that yep. you thought might be pretty yep. good, but the, you know, the white Sox they, they kind of wiped the floor of them a little bit. I think, what was it like 10 to nothing, 10 to one yesterday or something. And five yeah, the white Sox are that. a good team. I still think they're going to, yeah. I still, yeah, I still think they're going to win that division. It's a, it's a very, very good lineup. I, I think that the tigers can just kind of, you know, knock on the door, keep things close. Um, Javi Baez Not got thrown horrible. out. Javi Baez got thrown out trying to Your go boy. from, trying to go from third to home on a pass ball. So uh, welcome to Detroit yeah. and enjoy him, Tiger fans. Although I saw him hit a bomb tonight. Uh, <laughs> really crushed that ball on the on a cold Monday night. Um, you need to get man, something off your chest concerning him? Uh, no, no. Um, not. I, he's just a, a very frustrating baseball player to watch. Yeah, He is. First, yeah. He can give you uh, a lot of good and a lot of bad at the same time. All right, boys. Well, as we continue with uh, baseball, there's one more game I'd like to talk about. Um, specifically, you know, tonight's game, the Mets blowing a four point or a four run lead. Sorry, four point four run four lead. Four points, yeah. In the in the, the old four point <laughs> lead. In, the old the old four point eight the old inning four lead. Point. All right, we're we're in we're in. I'm in NBA mode. All right. You I'm knew he MLB was gonna mode. give you a hard time for that. That's fine. It's fair. I corrected myself before he was able to to verbally yeah. abuse me. I, I heard that there show. were three runs in the soccer game the other day, too. I get it. That's, that's a <laughs> funny joke. Really funny joke. Today. You know what else is funny? What? That, uh, that the Mets gave The Mets up, blowing the Mets a four-run lead in the eighth. Yeah. yeah, five runs in the eighth inning. Yeah. Not Tell ideal. Tell me about it. So I had... I, 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 
there we go. I was watching the highlights. I had my reservations um, of the bullpen before the season started. Um, even not with Edwin Diaz, who still makes me nervous. I believe he's Armando Benitez reincarnated for nice. our for our listeners old enough to remember Armando Benitez. Love now, hearing I, that I, name. I, I, I think the Mets' strength will be their starting pitching throughout the year. I think whether DeGrom is there or not, for however long he's out for or not, I think this team will be carried by their starting pitching. And Taiwan Walker left the game today in the second inning. Um, so I guess we have to wait and see what is exactly going to be the diagnosis for him. But he it was called shoulder irritation uh, when he left. So that doesn't sound too terrible. I get but, that when I play baseball too now. So, <laughs> But uh, hopefully nothing too serious. Um, but again, they blew... Um, a one-run lead in the eighth inning yesterday. You blew a four-run lead in the eighth inning today. And I know it's April, you know, five games into the season. But this was the one, if you're the Mets, that you wanted to get against an improved Philadelphia team. And now the next two games, you've got Nola and you've got Zach Wheeler to go up against. Now, granted for the Mets, you got Max Scherzer pitching one of those games as well. So that can kind of cancel out uh, the starter for the Phillies. But this was the one with advantage Mets pitching that you wanted to have. And, you know, I don't care if you're the best team in the league, the worst team in the league, if you have a four run lead in the eighth inning, that's a game you got to have. And I know it's five games, but man, four and one seems a lot better than three and two. Um, for even though it's just one game difference. I'm sure you guys understand what I'm saying. Uh, not happy about it. Not happy. I, I was wanted to go to bed in a good mood tonight, but that's not going to happen now. So, well, I think, I think too, what probably tomorrow. kills, what probably kills Mets fans, you know, along with yourself, it's when you look back at the end of the season and certain games, maybe you're the games maybe we should have had missed the playoffs by, you know, three yeah. or four. Five games against the um, against the Philly game yesterday, that, uh, yeah, where you could sweep yep. the Nationals and go four and zero to start the season again today. I Poor think defense by Alonzo yesterday, playing the Nationals, yeah. um, the Marlins, okay. you know, as well. I think they really have to take advantage, and they did. I mean, they won th- three out of four against the Nationals, but it seems like they really got to win a lot of those games, and that will that will be huge for them. So yeah, I mean, tonight's obviously tough, but. Still, Can't still happen. a decent start to the year, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely let down tonight. Yep, come back at it tomorrow. What do they always say? You're only as good as next day's starting pitcher, and the Phillies have a good one tomorrow. In their in their next day starting pitcher, they 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 absolutely do. But you could have a bad game tomorrow. You we always know? say that in my household. Waking up, I thought so. Yep. <laughs> I say it to my elementary kids in PE too before we start every class. I bet. I and tell me, what is their response to that? What do they say? They kind of just say, they just they just stare with you, stare at you. They just the stare at me, picture? or they say like they say like Mr. Marcone, look at my bracelet, or something like that. Pretty much, they they respond they respond to me the same way that I just responded to you. I like shook my head and wanted to change the subject. You've been shaking your head at me for eleven years. This is nothing. Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah. 
Oh, man. Still can't get away yep. from you. No. No. Hey, hey, you called me for this podcast, not the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> I think I texted Max first and he was like, hey, we should bring Pinto in. And I was like, oh, I guess we're really if we have go to. down that route. <laughs> Sorry. Mike. No, you're right. You're right. Let the record show. Let the record show. You were the first two I thought of equally together. It was a group text. He's and, not but, wrong. And then, and then He's been wrong about a lot of things. And then when we thought about a producer, though, there was no arguing with that. There was only one guy to get. Oh, well, well, he absolutely. Do it, so that, that <laughs> guy couldn't do it. The other guy couldn't do it. He backed out. <laughs> Mike left a message. He was like, hey, I mean, I guess if you're available. You're our first right. choice. <laughs> Tom, what's your opinion on golf? Real quick. Golf? Oh, golf. Good um, point, the Masters Mark. was Good point. The Masters was this weekend, right? I who, who don't won? Who won? care. Golf is dumb. I don't who know. Won? I, I got first, the alert his on first my name phone. Scotty. I don't even remember his, his name. His first name's Scotty. That's all I know. Golf is horrible, and so are those that support it. That is just a crazy thing to say on a sports podcast where we might have listeners like my good friend Alex Smith, who listens every week and texts me and talks to me about it. He loves golf. So Alex, Good, I hope he don't enjoys listen. it. I'm, I'm not telling him not what? to enjoy it. <laughs> you just said that people who like golf and the sport of golf, <laughs> come on, Tom, Tom, Smitty, Smitty, if you're listening, don't take anything he listen. says about golf personally, please. Tom, here's the thing. Some... The views of the show. <laughs> listen, 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 Tom, listen. Okay, Tom, Mark, Tommy, 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 Tommy. Here's the thing. As someone who's watched the last 15 minutes of every Masters tournament, and witnesses the long walk that every golfer takes. Thank for you. Some... Listen, let me defend no, wait, myself no. here for one second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Give the guy a chance. Give last, the guy a chance. Even though he's week, wrong, give the guy off with his head. Off last his... week, I was talking to one of my friends here at home who pretty much plays golf every single chance that he gets. There's no he's golf courses in New York City. I don't live in New York City. Get where I live right. <laughs> number one. Number two. He plays golf basically every single chance that he gets. He's a teacher, so he's got a lot of free time. He plays every chance he gets. And he really doesn't play basketball with us in the summer because he's always golfing. And I always get on his case about it, that he should be playing basketball in the summer with us instead of playing golf. And he said to me last week, he goes, you wish that you liked golf. And I thought about that. I said, do I wish that I really like this sport? And let me tell you, there are other things in the world that I don't like that I wish I did. Golf is not one of them. I don't give me wish an example I liked of it. one of those things. Tell me wh- what one of those sushi. I wish I liked sushi. I don't. I love. I not? love to eat. I love to eat. I love all different kinds of food. I love going I out love to, to different eat. restaurants. My wife likes it. I don't. I wish I, I really sushi. did like it. I don't. I will say. Uh, Pinto, I think you would enjoy, you might not enjoy golf, like golfing 18 holes, but if you've ever been to a place like Top Golf or a driving range or something like that, like Top mini Golf is really mini cool. Golf is, mini Golf is fun. I can do Mini Golf. Mini Golf, well, you well, know, top vacation, golf is, vacation. Yeah. Mini Golf is, is fine. I'm, I'm fine with Mini Golf, but actually, keep in mind regular... there's a huge difference between Mini Golf and Golf. But Agreed. Anyways, I, uh... had to pl- I had to play nine holes at um, a bachelor party over the summer. It was the first time I ever played in my life. And I couldn't wait for those nine holes to be over. Well, hey Mike, okay, let's just pull. Let, yeah. Be, before we, um, I, I know we're probably trying because I don't know how we got here, but I'm just going to pull the I, golf segment together when you're, well, when you're done here. All right. Cause I do after the, I'm really going to go to sushi off now a, after the sushi comment, I do have to say 
something that I don't know if Pinto ever said he hated, um, but maybe he just didn't try. Mark and I actually a few, I guess close to a month ago now, we had hibachi with Pinto for it. the first time. Oh, yeah. His first time, not ours, of mm-hmm. course, because we're yeah, veterans. Right. But um, that's right. That's <laughs> right. So, so that's something that Pinto can't say he hasn't had. And he actually you, you would have had to be there, but he, he enjoyed yeah. himself. Sure. He, I gotta, hold on. Sure did. Pinto did right. did the, the hibachi chef. Did he fling any rice in your mouth? No, he didn't, but he was he was he was he, great. And he, was he funny. said that the table that uh me, Max, and there were two tables kind of because we had like 15 guys. Split up. So the Split table up. that we were at was the good looking table, and the other table mm. of clowns, they were they were not the good looking people. I have to assume that guy That's was just for lying <laughs> for tips. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I have to other- assume. We had an Emmy nominated broadcaster on the show not 40 minutes ago, and here we are. I don't know how we got here. I'm going to bring well, this you, together really quick. Really quick. I This can be cut up. But I sat next to Tom, and Tom <laughs> was eating all the food as it came in. And I'm waiting for what all do you want food to do? because Well, I'm waiting for my yeah, meal, you know, with Tabachi. You oh, all, I see what you, you're saying. Yeah, you yeah, wait like for they, all like, Yeah, like they gave me fried out. rice. Wait. I ate the fried rice. There's yeah, hibachi but, etiquette. Yeah, there's hibachi No one told me about the etiquette. Did you use a fork? I had to go. Of yeah, course and I Tom did. looks over at me and he's like, Mark, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just waiting for all of the meal, Tom. <sighs> I'm just not happy about it. Yeah, I Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, yeah. I'll go to Hibachi again before I play golf. Let, let's show him some respect. Scotty Scheffler, the third player, 25 or younger over the last 40 years to win the Masters. Spieth and Jordan Spieth and Tiger Woods, the other two guys. It's an amazing, amazing accomplishment. He took a five-stroke lead to 18, and like Mark was talking about, that long walk, there's got to be no better feeling than knowing you're going to win the Masters taking that walk. So had to show him some respect. Scotty Scheffler, golf, we love it. We love golf. Are We, we back love to talk our Scotty? fans that love it. Are we, are we back to talking Pin, sports? Pinto fell asleep for a second. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. You know what? You know what, Tom? It's just like I'm not happy. But 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 hold on. You know what? At least I'm not like a phony about it. I embrace the hate. I don't like it. I'm not. No, you're just 50, you're 50 rude about it. it. <laughs> I do respect it about him, actually. I do yeah. Okay. I'm, but, not, I'm but, not gonna. I'm not gonna come on in three weeks and say now I have new love for the sport. No. I'm I know that. One way, it's awful. But you didn't. You didn't need to say that golf is awful and everyone who supports the, the sport <laughs> that, is awful. Like that, that was, was a little how, It's well, like that's just, no. It's that's like your subway take. It's like your subway take. Never had it. Never will. Hate it. Dad hates it too. It's you're like, darn right. <laughs> I know you're a fat wedge guy, but like, I mean, there's people out there that enjoy subway. So just let them live their lives. You don't need to bash them for it. Max loves subway. Let it's us like, live our life. You know, enjoy. Max used to love subway. I used to love subway. Sorry. He's moved Not on to anymore. Jersey Mike's, but still same idea. Same idea. Yeah. Yeah. Can we so, just get to our next segment, please? Cause I'm sweating sure. now. I'm a little frustrated. Let's just this move is, it along here. Let's bring a, this one a, home soon. <laughs> this is a, a a great story that we have here. In all seriousness, this is an this is an absolutely great story. As we have now moved on to our one story that you missed for the week. Um, Toledo Mudhens, Triple A baseball, Toledo, Ohio. Uh, I I was at the stadium once in 2008. Jim Weber has been calling Toledo Mudhens games on the airwaves since 1975. On Saturday, two days ago, he called his 6,000th 
straight game. I'm going to say that again. 6,000th straight game. Has never missed a game since 1975. That is, when they said that during the Met game yesterday, because that's where I heard the story, um, I thought it, I thought, I thought Gary Cohen misspoke. I, I, I didn't think it was six. I mean, they are 6,000 straight games. Never missed one. It's, I can't even imagine. We might, like we, we might, were saying we it earlier. never see something like that ever again. No, like we were saying it earlier. He didn't, he didn't get the flu. He didn't get sick. He didn't have a stomach bug. He didn't have kids, the birth of a child, a wedding, uh, anything. It, it, I mean, maybe he did and he just chose work, but like that, the commitment level and like to be able to do that over and over and over again, I mean, I'm sure it became like clockwork for him, but that is just an unbelievable 6,000 games, 6,000 games. So he's going to start his, he's, he's going to start his 50th year with the team, uh, in 2024, that'll be his 50th year calling games. Pinto. Do you think he planned everything for the off season just so that way, you know, any big moment in life he made sure was in the off season. So that way he could keep the streak going. Told all his friends and family, you can't get married unless it's in the off. No pregnancies. Speaking of the off season, you know what I, you know what I bet he does during the off season? What? Golfs. I bet he golfs during the off season. Probably, probably keeps him healthy. (laughs) I, uh, I do think, I do think that's a cool story, especially, you know, for tonight's episode, just with, with Pat being on, you know, with what he does. So, so that's definitely really cool. Good, good find. We were actually Pinto and I talked about it a little bit um, cause I was watching the Mets game and they were talking about it. So uh, good, good call there with a story you may have missed. Cause not something that you'd really hear too much about unless you were, you know, listening to the game. Right. Right. He was, uh, I'm reading here. He was inducted into the international league. That's the triple uh, a league that the Toledo mud hens are in. Uh, which currently has 113 members. He is the only broadcaster inducted. So wow. hats off to you, Jim Weber. That is unbelievable to many, many more. And uh, keep going because that is that is great, great stuff. And now uh, yeah. we'll uh, we'll put a bow uh, on this one today with our uh, lost the step segment of the week. Today, we are going to go with Stephen Matz. Uh, Stephen Matz, you probably remember as a former Met pitcher, uh, Toronto last year, St. Louis this year, uh, signed a four-year deal over the offseason, four-year, $56 million deal, and it did not get off to a good start yesterday for Mr. Matz. Three innings, nine hits, seven earned runs against the Pirates. Look, Everyone's entitled to a bad game. Everyone can be entitled to a bad first game. You know, it's a long season. If you give up seven runs to the Pirates in three innings, that's tough. The Pirates are not a very good baseball team. Might be the worst team in the league. Um, so definitely not the start. Steven Matz wanted to get off uh, with with his new, uh, his new mate. And he is our lost step of the week. Did you hear what the, his manager said? About why he couldn't finish his pitches That's, off. That, that was going to be. I did my, not. Yeah, I did not. He didn't. Oh, he Pinto. No, he developed no. a he he developed a blister on his finger. Pinto. You know, I I did in the not third inning. That. Yeah, in the third oh, inning, man. Give the guy that'll, another chance. That'll <laughs> yeah. Do. Well. 
So apparently know. he threw two know. shutout innings to start. Yes, yeah, the first two shutout but, innings. And then that, and then that dang blister. Then it all unraveled. I don't know how I feel it was, about this now. It was, I, it was festering. It was festering. I had, I, I wanted to surprise. I wanted to, to throw that on you and just see your reaction. Still, though, even with a little <laughs> blister, do you have to give up seven runs to the Pirates? Would you give up seven runs to the Pirates with a blister on your finger? I'm 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 not sure. You know, I used to throw a pretty nice splitter back in my day. <laughs> with a wiffle ball or with a, a an actual regulation baseball? Oh, with the wiffle ball, I'd have that thing dancing. You'd have it. Yeah, I, oh yeah. I will say uh expectations, you know, with with Flaherty out right now, um right. And and Wainwright is he he started the other night, but I don't think I don't know if they won that game, but yeah, but they did. Nats, they're expecting him to be he pitched uh, opening day. And they did win that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're expecting Mats at least for right now to be be a number two guy for them. Sure. And, and so that's not a good way to start, you know, blister no. or not. So I do. I'll I'll agree with you on that one, Pinto. But let's yeah. let's give him a couple of games. Uh, let's see blister free how he does. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because what do you What again, do you think that sets him back? A week or two? Again, this is not a list you want to end up at all more than once. Oof. No, absolutely not. Not a place you want to be. <laughs> Just for the record, Max is a big uh, Matt's guy. So he's also on the fantasy team, so that hurt. But mm, yeah, we, I have him on one to that. Well, boys, um, is there anything else worth mentioning here before we we sign off? We hope people listen to this episode. We had a great interview at the beginning of the episode with Pat O'Keefe, and hopefully the the first of many interviews on the show. Uh, we don't know where it'll take us, but hopefully the first of many. Pat was great, and um, we, we really thank him again for coming on. He was, uh, he was tremendous in every sense of the word. Absolutely. So this has been the sixth episode of the Lost to Step podcast. Mike Marcone, Max Kahn, Tom Pinto, Mark DiStefano signing off. See ya.